Here's a, a mother going to Motherhood Incorporated and applying for a job. She's holding the contract and she responds, one vacation day a year, that's all I get? And the lady at the desk says, well, we call it Mother's Day, but technically you still have to work. And that's kind of true, isn't it? That uh, moms are just always working because there's just so much for them to do. And, and thank God for moms that they keep on doing what they do. They do it because they love their family. And we're thankful for that. But with so many things that they have to do, today I want to give an encouragement that they don't forget about prayer. One of the most important things that all of us can do. You know, this past week was kind of a special week as far as uh, let's say, holidays or important events to observe. Okay, today is Mother's Day, but on Thursday there were two other important events in the church as well. One, you might have known it was the National Day of Prayer, but it was also the 40th day since Easter, which means that was Ascension Day, a day that we recognize and celebrate that our Lord returned to heaven and that he is enthroned, ruling over all the world and and we celebrated it here with a great service put on by the school children. Well, I thought I could take all of those things together and bring us a message today on, on Mother's Day because all of them are reminding us about the foundations of our faith. So combining that our Lord is enthroned in heaven and here's the prayers that we bring to that throne and that he has given us the gift of mothers. Today, let's talk about the foundations of the family and do so within the context of prayer. I'm going to be presenting three different prayers from the scriptures that mothers have spoken. But before I do that, I, I want to share with you some words about prayer that the Apostle Paul wrote in one of his letters, Ephesians chapter 3. It reminds us that as parents, we have a foundation of faith and that it's paved with prayer. Paul starts out saying this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I see three important prayer pointers that Paul gives us in those words. The first is that we pray with faith. When he said, I kneel before the Father, that's a pretty awesome concept. That we're able to come before God the Father, the Lord of the universe, the Almighty, and to come to him with our requests. Paul said, I kneel before him with the spirit of humbleness. We come before God. Because we know that we don't deserve to be there. We haven't qualified in any way other than God himself 
has paved that way for us to come. That is through Jesus. So as we come to God the Father, we do so with faith. That is with trust in his promise to hear us and to bless us. But I also noted something else about faith when Paul was praying those words. That he was urging us to pray with boldness, with confidence. He says that he would ask God for something and he knew that God would answer in a way that was immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Think about that. He's saying that he will bless us immeasurably more than what we're asking for or imagining. Paul is urging us, approach that throne of grace with that kind of faith and confidence in your Father who hears your requests. Now the second pointer I get from Paul's words is that we should pray for others. Now we would all say, well, of course. But what stands out to me about Paul's words is this. The letter that he was writing, he was writing from prison. He was in prison because of what he believed and what he was teaching. Now you would think that if he was talking about prayer, he might be telling his readers, and would you pray for me? Pray for me that I get out of here soon. Pray for me that I'm safe. Pray for me that they give me better prison food or something. He wasn't praying for himself at all. He was praying for others. He said, I pray that God would strengthen you in your spirit. It's a reminder, yes, to pray for whatever our needs are, but first, remember, pray for the needs of others. And then he tells us what he was praying for, for their spiritual well-being, for their blessings. Now, I'm, I'm sure that when we pray, we have a whole list of things that we pray for, for our well-being, for our, for our health, for our finances, for our jobs, for our relationships. Notice what Paul was praying for for their spiritual well-being. You know, sometimes we may not know what to pray for or how we should pray for it. And Paul is just reminding us, just pray. Pray with boldness. Pray with faith. Faith that God can do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. What encouragement. So, with that as an introduction... Today, on Mother's Day, let us be reminded now of the foundations of our faith by looking at three prayers that have been spoken by mothers in Scripture. Our first one will be a prayer of hope, spoken by a mother probably 3,500 years ago who found herself in a tough, troubling situation. Her name is Hannah. Hannah was one of two wives that a man by the name of Elkanah had. The other wife had children. She did not. And it broke her heart and made her life miserable. But in her story comes out this beautiful prayer of hope. Gary, lead us now in that reading. There was a certain man from Ramathium, a Zuphite, from the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, 
her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. When Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look at your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of the great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. A prayer of hope. As I reflected on these, these words of this situation, I was reminded of a, of a psalm verse where the Lord says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. And that reminded me of, of three prayer pointers that we get from this account. First of all, to call upon God in time of trouble. Hannah was in trouble. She was in distress over her situation, that she was not able to bear a child. And in that disappointment and distress, she also was experiencing dissension among the family. The, the other wife would, would ridicule her and, and make fun of her. So here is a, a devout family, always worshiping God. They're a church family, and yet they're going through this tough time where there is the distress, the disappointment, the dissension, and even disobedience. Disobedience, no, part, no doubt, not just on the part of the other wife, but even on Elkanah, perhaps. 
and Hannah herself simply because of the sin nature that human beings have. God's people are not strangers to trouble. There is trouble in our lives. Whether it is with people relationships or health situations or whatever it might be, we experience trouble. But note the answer that God provides for us. Call upon him in the day of trouble. With faith, come before him in humbleness of heart. With a heart that trusts in his will and his working. Come before him on behalf of others. Come and seek his blessing that he can do immeasurably more than what we could ever ask or imagine. That's what he was going to do with Hannah. As the psalmist would say, he will deliver you. He will answer your prayer. For Hannah, he did so very quickly. What was thought to be an impossible situation that she would not be able to bear a, a child, God made possible. Last week we had youth confirmation and the youth get to pick their own passage to mark their confirmation. One of the young men picked a passage where it says, for man this is impossible, but with God nothing is impossible. What a beautiful statement of that young man's faith. That he has a God who can do the impossible. And that's what he did for Hannah, and that's what he can do for us too. The Apostle James gives us a beautiful passage to remember. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In other words, prayer works. Prayer works because our God hears those prayers. Prayer works because God works. Our merciful and mighty God can deliver us. probably all familiar with the, the commercial where they ask, what's in your wallet? Well, let me ask it this way. What's in your prayers? What are you praying for? Seek the blessing for yourself and for others, and don't give up. Trust, be bold, pray. God delivers. And then he reminds us of one more thing, to honor him. That's exactly what Hannah did. With words of praise, thanking God that he answered her prayer. And then the next chapter in the, in the book, it, it goes on and, and gives a beautiful song she spoke, praising God for his mercy and his working in her life. But she did more than just give lip service. She kept that promise and gave that son to the Lord in service to the Lord. And that son became Samuel, who we know as one of the greatest leaders of God's people in the Old Testament, who faithfully proclaimed and guided the, God's people in his will. You see how God did immeasurably more than what she had asked for or imagined? a prayer of hope. Let that be what characterizes our prayer.
Not just a wish, not just a want, but a hope. A confidence that God hears and answers and according to his might and his mercy will only bless. At this time in our service, we'll pause and we invite our, our young children ages three through second grade to meet the teacher in the entryway and to go to Children's Church. And then to help us reflect on this point of a prayer of hope, let's listen to the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer.
There's another example of prayer on the part of mothers that I thought about this week, and, and that is reflected in the words that the Apostle Paul wrote in a letter to a young pastor named Timothy, whom he was mentoring. And there he comments on the source and the blessing of Timothy's faith. As my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Parents want the best for their kids. We make sure they're going to good schools and getting a good education for their future. We make sure that they're clothed and fed and have a healthy life and we get them involved in various activities for their development and parents just want the best for their kids and make sure that they're getting it. That's what we hear from this mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice. They wanted the best for little Timothy. And do you see what it was? It was about faith. As parents work so hard and are so dedicated to bringing the best to their kids, I would hope they would also look to see what am I doing for my children's faith. I'd like to share a little story with you about a mother who was concerned about her child. Her name was Monica, and she lived in the fourth century. Yeah, a long time ago. But the things she was going through are things that people go through today. She was struggling to raise her kids in the Christian faith, struggling because she was in a house where her, her husband was not a believer and not interested in raising the kids that way, and in fact, he was abusive. But she taught her son, Augustine, the Christian faith. But as Augustine got older and got into his teenage years, he started getting involved in what we'd call some wild living. And then it came time for him to go off to college. Yes, they went to college back in the 4th century. And he was going to the university at Alexandria, and Alexandria was what we would characterize today as a college town. So there was a lot, of more, there was a lot more wild living that he got involved with. In fact, he himself admitted that he walked away from the Christian faith and became involved in what today we would call a cult. But all during these years, his mother Monica kept praying for his faith. Year after year, day after day, she would pray for that son. And she also invited other people to pray for him and, and her pastors to pray for him. And God heard those prayers and answered them. And Augustine was brought back to the Christian faith. Not only would he be a believer again, but he would also become one of the great fathers of the Christian church. With the gift of his intellect and writing, he helped to solidify and clarify some of the important teachings in the Christian faith. 
And all of that came as an answer to this mother's prayer who does immeasurably more than ever we could ever ask or imagine. On her deathbed, she spoke these words to her son. There was indeed one thing for which, which I wished to stay a little longer in this life, and that was that I might see you, a Christian, before I died. My God has exceeded this abundantly. Prayer of a mother for her child. A prayer of faith. That's probably what mother and grandmother of Timothy were also praying for that young man. That he would be a man of faith. And God answered that prayer too, so much so that Paul remarks about Timothy's faith. And it's noted for us hundreds of years later in the scriptures. Timothy being one of the first pastors in the Christian church. And what a tough job that must have been at that time. To, to be a pastor without having many models to follow. To be teaching a, a new faith, a new religion in a world that was against it. But God blessed his work. Our prayer pointer is simply this. Pray for the faith of your children. We want the best for our kids and grandkids. Let it be for faith. Our kids live in a tough world. I think we can look back and see how things have changed and, and the influences on them today are, are so powerful and so wicked and evil. We know we have to work hard to protect them. But let's not be foolish to think that we can do it alone or that we have all the right answers. Let's recognize that we need to pray for them, that we need God's help to raise our kids in the Christian faith. Let's pray for their faith. That faith is what we profess as that saving faith in Jesus Christ. Let's reflect on that as we join in singing the song, I Believe in Jesus.
And yet one more prayer situation came to my mind regarding Mother's Day, and that is this scene that we find in John 19. Gary? Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. What a heartbreaking situation that must have been for Mary, the mother of Jesus, to be there at the foot of the cross on which her son was dying. Perhaps at this time, what's going through Mary's mind were the words that were spoken to her years ago by the prophet Simeon. When she, with joy and excitement, brought this baby Jesus into the temple to present him to God, a baby that was given to her by a miracle of the Holy Spirit, a baby that was God himself. And Simeon, the aged seer, spoke these words and said, that he would be a sign that would be spoken against. In other words, that people would reject him. And that a sword would pierce her soul too. No doubt, that's what this mother was experiencing. The heartbreak of seeing her son hated by people he loved and being put to death unjustly. But Jesus wanted to die. Jesus was dying for his mother. Jesus was dying for you. Jesus was dying for this world to bring us to God to bring us into his family. Jesus wanted to die. That's why he came into this world. He came to be the lamb that would sacrifice himself to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Jesus spoke words of an answer to what I believe was Mary's prayer. These were words of love. His dying on that cross reminds us of his love for us. And that should move us to come to him in prayer for all of our needs. Now, no words of Mary were recorded for us at that incident. But I can't help but think she was praying praying that this would end, praying that her son would live. It was a prayer of love and a prayer that was answered. Jesus did say it ended. He said, it is finished. 
and the suffering for sin was done, you won't suffer for it. And he would live. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And he came and showed himself alive even to his mother. And I'm sure he probably gave his mother a big hug. Mary got the answer to her prayer. It was an answer of love. Her son died for the world so that we could live. While it maybe seemed as if she would be out of his care, Jesus spoke words of care and committed her to the care of his friend John. But the truth of the matter is, she was never really out of his hands of care. For Jesus said, no one can snatch them out of my hands. We are always in his hands. So parents, grandparents, commit your children into the hands of God. And children, young or old, commit your parents into the hands of God and watch him do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. The foundation for the family is the foundation of faith. Let it be paved with prayer. A prayer of hope, a prayer of faith, a prayer of love, and watch our God do immeasurably more. Amen.